welcome to The Ducket List, 100 natural conversations you will want to hear to help you thrive. But just before we get going, I wanted to give a nod to our fabulous sponsor, Anola. That's O-N-O-L-L-A. You can find them on your favourite browser. Anola is the one-stop shop for seasonally-led, natural, organic and sustainable beauty, well-being products and curated-themed gift sets. Thank you very much, Anola. My guest today is one of my favourite champagne mystics. Oh, she's glamorous and she's fun. From Hollywood to Holloway, she is one of my most trusted spiritual teachers. She's most well known for her work, columns and books as an astrologer. But she's the voice of reason in the often confusing field of astrology and related topics. Enjoy the wisdom that is Shelley von Strunkel. The listening rituals of modern intelligent women have for years been one of humanity's great mysteries. Fortunately now, females have an authentic podcast where natural conversations can grow and flourish. Welcome to the Ducket List. Shelley von Strunkel, hello, welcome. Thank you very much. Having been prompted about that amazing introduction, I'm still impressed. <laughs> well, you know, we do like to impress our guests because you guys are all so impressive. You know, we've got to try and keep up somehow. But how are you doing today? How does today find you, Shelley? Um, at the slightly fatigued end of my profession, um, meaning I've written a lot. Um, I've written an article which is uh, appears in U Magazine in the Mail on Sunday. And as with all newspapers, they ask you to produce um, many pages of things in about 15 minutes. Absolutely. And so, yeah, so I, I've done that. It, you know, and I was thinking, because for people who read what I do and for people who listen to the kind of thing you do, you know, this stuff kind of appears. And for those of us who actually do it, you know, I once couldn't write that much that quickly and I thought golly it is kind of an amazing skill to develop no I agree I agree but it does take its toll though doesn't it and you do need to take time out because and you know we've talked about this fascinating what you picked up with me once was about the adrenalized mind and I you're quite right it does appear and people don't necessarily realize unless you've done this how intense what this zone you have to go into to produce it and you know that zone so well because you have written about your art for so many years for so many people and you're known really as the voice of reason aren't you within this for some people slightly wacky world so what do you what do you tell people these days what astrology is all about? Well, you know, it's okay. But my, my line is that astrology is about the cycles of nature, which is the bigger picture, really. And that's why people began to pay attention to the moon and all of that. Say that, again, also take, say that again, because that's quite a big uh, word. And <laughs> so astrology is, defines the cycles of nature which we don't pay much attention to. I mean, do you know whether, like, what's next will be a full moon or a new moon? Or I, I have an idea. I know when the, the full moons are and the new moons are. And again... So you pay to, attention. I do, I do. And as you know, Enola is one of our sponsors, a, a business that I'm involved with, and it is all about 
following the rhythms of nature in a very basic way because unlike you Shelley so many of us are so disconnected you're totally right and it's but it's what governs us isn't it so so that's what that's why I like astrology and why I'm interested because it helps hook me back in to where I need to be yeah, yes, except there's one, one term I want to catch you on here, and that's governs us. Because in, in, when astrology was first developed, uh, when people were settling in the river valleys, they didn't have much choice, and they responded to the cycles of nature. Uh, but leaping ahead <laughs> over a couple of millennia of history, I have noticed and function with the idea that we have the capacity as individuals to influence our bodies. For instance, we can calm ourselves using meditation. And so similarly, while the heightened feelings triggered by the, moon, the full moon may make people feel anxious, you can control that, for instance, if you meditate. And so I'm not kind of being picky with words as much you're as it's picky. really... That's what you do, <laughs> Shelley. You are picky. Don't tell me you're not picky with words. It's exactly why you're so good at what you do. It's really easy to slip into this, oh, I'm just so upset because it's the, the full moon. And it's like, well, okay, that's a cycle of nature, but you have the choice about being upset or not. And before in history, we didn't conceive of ourselves as having that, as being conscious. And one of the reasons I went into astrology and media, because I, I saw private clients only, that's all I did for about 10 years. And then I, I noticed that passivity in, in print. And I thought, just a minute here. <laughs> I'm a big believer in our capacity to shape our own lives. Yes, we live within a construct of nature. And true, we're also the, the result of our environment in the sense of where we grew up the family we had, or didn't have. But increasingly, I think, we have the capacity to change our physiology, our metabolism, to lengthen our lives through not so much what you, even the vitamins you take are useful, but most of all, how you use your consciousness. I mean, I'm, a, I'm not only an enthusiastic meditator, I teach how to do it, because again, I think we benefit so much from that. So where does astrology fit in that? Well, it is about the cycles of nature and observing them and honoring them, but also beginning to recognize that we as human beings have a consciousness that itself has power. Couldn't agree more. And I think what's fascinating about what you're saying you have been trying to teach this to people for an awfully long time, haven't you? Because back in the early 90s, when you were working with the late Patrick Walker, you were working with him, was it on the standard, the evening standard? No, I wasn't working with him. Basically, he discovered me. Ah. But, uh, yeah, no, there's a story that I was working with him. And actually, um, what happened was, I, um, my first astrology column was commissioned by a magazine in the States called Mirabella. And I'd been studying Patrick Walker's writing because people would actually come to me to, as an astrologer because they'd read his columns. And they'd say, my goodness, if this guy is so accurate in that little splodge on a piece of paper, then what's a real-life astrologer like, which was a lot to live up to. Mm -hmm. And um, so I then met the editor of Mirabella, said I thought I could 
have that same flavor as Patrick Walker, wrote a column. And then I got a call from, what was it? It was, I think, Murdoch Newspapers, which owned the standards at the time. And, and uh, Patrick was looking for someone to succeed him. And the executives noticed my writing style was like his. And so I was invited to meet him in London about three months after that call. And what was that like? And, what was he like? And we, well, we met. I mean, he was a very gracious person, a very elegant man. And I basically figured out his chart when I met him, which I think maybe impressed him. And we talked for about two hours. And then he walked over to the phone and, and called the standard and said, I found her. I had no idea it was a job interview. But it was the first time I'd met him. So I didn't work with him. I'd studied his writing and then met him. And he said, you're on, girl. Brilliant. And, and about three weeks later, I debuted as Patrick Walker's successor. Love it. Well, and the, perfect, yeah. and the perfect person, may I say. But was it in that column? And you were telling me, it's a really interesting little nugget, that you talk about consciousness and you talk about people being able to have more understanding of consciousness yet is it how many seconds of the day that people when they read their star sign is the only few seconds of the day that they're actually tuning in was that one of the columns you were doing one of the papers well i mean, i think what you're referring to is um when i would see people on the underground mm. and uh, because it's, you know, you write this stuff and mostly you don't see people reading it, except for the evening standard. What's so wonderful is, is if you're in the underground in the evening, people have the standard. And I would see people not just casually turn the newspaper open to their, to my column, but to really read it with intensity. And it was so rewarding to do that. In fact, I took a, I took a secretive picture of a guy doing it first. And I did tell him. Uh, and he was like really thrilled that it was me. He said, "Oh my God, you're that, you're that lady on the page. There you are, right there." <laughs> Brilliant. But you, do you really think that's the only few seconds of of the day? So many people are just you know in this mindless place of unconsciousness. Where you know where do you come in with astrology and your other teaching that can help with this sort of mindlessness? People talk about mindfulness all the time, but there's a mindlessness which is which is going on right now, isn't there? Well, this, I mean, we're in kind of an arc of culture, and if anyone knows about cycles, it's me. And looking at the big arc, I mean, way, way, way back, if you go to like the Middle Ages, everything was very reflective and religious, and the music was all really holy. It was all about basically living so you could die well and go to heaven. So it was all about spirituality, and then you moved into the Renaissance, which was about intellectuality and questioning. And now we're in a very, very scientific period. And that has led to a lot of achievements in a lot of arenas. We've got people to the moon. There's this bunch of floating around, going around the Earth uh, in a space station for years already. It's extraordinary what we've done with science. But what's happened in that is we've lost the reflection with the, con with the connection with the divine. Mm -hmm. In fact, it's kind of, if I could kind of put it in the vernacular, not kosher. And in fact, there's a funny story about this. I was, um, a girlfriend is a cabaret performer and I was there seeing her and there were people there and someone, friends of hers, had invited her to dinner the next night. And I was there because I was an old friend of hers and they said, come. And then the husband and the wife arrived. 
and he was a doctor. And I was uninvited to that dinner the next day because of what I do for a living. That's not the first time and nor the last time that's happened, surely. So so the point of it is that in the arc of life, at one time in the Middle Ages and the Renaissance, astrologers were like royalty. Now, obviously, we aren't every place. And that isn't so much because we're badly considered, but, and this is the reason I mention this, because reflective things, meditation, astrology, are considered to be a bit fringe, and they don't have the glamour of science. And because there's such an emphasis on that, there's a tendency for people to seek scientific proof, even for something like meditation. I mean, it fascinates me that people think that using a scientific device, a computer, means that you'll be able to find the person you fall in love with. Mm-hmm. It's like, wait a minute, hang on here. I've when we heard of, like, chemistry? Mm-hmm. And talking Romance? Of, and to, absolutely, talking of chemistry, when you wire someone up to a machine to gauge what is happening when they meditate, their response is very different to when they're meditating without the machine tied to them. So it's actually hard to gauge and prove. And I think this is where it all goes a bit woolly and a bit confusing, is how can you prove certain things that are unprovable when people want proof to believe in them? And, and how do you cope with people saying astrology is not a science because it's not proven when you see so many amazing results by using that? Well, normally, I mean, if someone says that to me, I say, oh, is that? So, so last time you had your chart done, you didn't find it satisfying? So, no, why would I do that? Why would I have a chart done? It's rubbish. I said, oh, so wait a minute. So you're telling me what I do is rubbish, but you've never experienced it. Is that scientific? Mm. That usually ends the conversation. (laughs) Uh, Well, I mean, really. (laughs) Shall we be rational? And fortunately, I, I have a sense of humor about this. But again, one of the reasons I went into media is because I was aware of exactly what you described. This if not genuine fear of astrology by some people, I mean, for heaven's sake, as it were, uh, you know, people free will, and if they want to have a chart on, that's great. And if they find it useful, how fabulous. If they find it rubbish, then they give it a try anyway. It's like trying something new in a restaurant. Uh, however, and this is the interesting thing about this moment, I think in a way we're almost scienced out. There's been so much about science that there's a fatigue, but people don't know how to reach out for something else. Mm. And so what I'm doing now is I'm literally um, putting up a new, broader website. I'm kind of remodeling what I do, a little less emphasis on newspapers and a little more emphasis on broader media. I've had a book that's just come out with Dorian Kindersley, which is a popular book. It's called A Birthday Book which is a, a, it's a great, easy gift. But the next book I do will be about the dawning of the age of Aquarius, uh, which is not so much about hippies singing and dancing as a new era and one in which I think we, and this is the important part, finally integrate science and spirituality. And really, that's, no. that's, is that where, is that where the, this amazing middle ground is, a combination of the two? It's like integrated medicine. You, you know, 
complementary, exactly. the complementary working with, you know, state of the art, latest findings in science. You know, why can't they talk together? Why can't they get on more, the spiritual and the scientific world? Is it ego? Is it your way then completely questions my way? Why can't we just get on more? You know, what it is unnoticed is, and it's a bit like that doctor I met because it was just, <laughs> I mean, literal prejudice. I mean, prejudice means prejudging. He prejudged me by what I do for a living. Just so bizarre, and but which meant also he had no curiosity about it. Should have asked when like, his, you should have asked when his birthday was and done his chart. Yeah, you really. Sent it to so, him. So with... I think the the trick will be the, the, in, the, in the next act to integrate the two because we now know from the wonderful research that's been done with the transcendental meditation people with meditation, the benefits of meditating to physical well-being. I mean, meditators age at a slower rate than the general population using bog standard methods for checking it for using blood pressure, using short-range vision, using hearing. A group of meditators actually ages. They age more slowly for one year for every year they've meditated. Mm -hmm. So if you meditated for 10 years, you will, you will, you will test 10 years younger than, than your chronological age. Yeah, the telomeres. Now, that's the science telomeres. and spirituality. Mm -hmm. That's why I do it. It's not about my sanity, Shelley. It's purely vanity. <laughs> <laughs> not. Um, so you... First of all, are you a regular meditator then? And do you have a particular stance, style? Because um, I know you're quite, you've got quite your own ideas as you would have on meditation and different styles, haven't you? Yes, I'm very broad church. Well, again, to say it briefly, meditation is a state and it's a state of relaxed attention. It can be achieved all sorts of ways. It can be achieved, it doesn't need a meditation like doing a meditation technique. The pianist will do it at their piano. The horseback rider, if they're totally into riding, will achieve that state. The fisherman will do it. And what it is, is literally when the brain wave pattern shifts. And that achieves that state of relaxed attention. Now, if you ain't got the fishing wheel, or excuse me, if you ain't got the um, piano to play, then knowing how to meditate is useful, and I do it on the underground. And so there are a lot of techniques, and the reason a lot of techniques, again, is because our minds are so busy running around, and many people are, are so adrenalized, as we chatted about at other times, that they don't know how to find that space, that state of mind easily. So those various places, those techniques that are used, most are fine. They're great. And the difficulty is some of them say this is the only way to meditate, which mm -hmm. is a little naughty. Yeah. So you're not on a cushion cross-legged with some incense burning? <laughs> sure. But <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> but also, Saturday. I mean, like, I used to travel a huge amount, and I would always meditate on the plane leaving because the mm -hmm. time between the plane time the time plane takes off and you can take the seatbelt off, is 20 minutes. and So you can read a newspaper and get depressed and meditate and feel better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've, I've heard that helps with jet lag as well, because you go into, it as you said, you change the brain, the brain waves. So if you... It does, yeah. Yeah, yeah great. Yeah. And, you know, I, the other thing I, I find fascinating, I mean, we could talk for hours here, um, but I find it fascinating, and, and you 
know, guys, I'm sure you can pick up that Shelley's got a little bit of a non-traditionally English twang going on there. So just tell us, how did a girl go from Hollywood to Nyon Holloway in North London? How did that happen? Got lucky. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it was, it was, I mean, I'm serious. I, and it is true. I mean, you mentioned Hollywood. Um, I literally was born in Hollywood. It is on my passport. That's and cool. I grew up in, in L.A. that was full of people who were in show business, although in other businesses, too, but it was the business that was around. And my parents weren't in it, but it was around. And they did kind of two things for me. One is it made me absolutely bulletproof for fame or money because there was a lot of that around. But the great thing about Hollywood, too, is that anything is possible. They made magic there. And so while there was a very famous astrologer there called Carol Reiter, a man who, a male Carol, who actually had been a, um, a lawyer, a Harvard-educated lawyer, and decided astrology was rubbish and he'd disprove it, so he studied it, and it was so good he became one. <laughs> And he was the astrologer in the Sunday Times, um, the Sunday Times, in the Times, LA Times newspaper uh, when I was a kid. And so I read about him, and he worked with all of the movie stars and had quite a reputation, but it was in the days when people didn't particularly write about that, although there is one biography of this. But he was so respected that he set the inauguration time for Ronald Reagan as governor of California because the Reagans had been his clients. Mm. Yeah. So it was also very mainstreamed at that time and very respected in the L.A. I, I grew up in. And by the way, he did not set Reagan's inauguration time when he became president because that is fixed by law. Mm. I was um, going to say, was he allowed to publish that? Yeah, but for me, growing up in an environment where it was part of business, then doing it as business was very natural. But again, my background in business is actually in retail. And that, again, that's, it was interesting, but it taught me two things. One is about, I talked about the cycles of nature in astrology. Well, retail is about cycles, too. And so when I was actually a buyer, I went to UCLA, University of California at Los Angeles, and studied the history of fashion so I could learn more about those cycles. And that helped me understand better about the cycles I just described earlier, about how people live in periods that are much more metaphysical and spiritual and periods that are more materialistic, and now a period that's so scientific. But do you think the difference is... Well, just one more thing. The period is the, thing is the scientists think they're all there is. They are the complete authorities because, of course, they didn't study history. They only studied science. But you, while so, you were doing retail, were studying human behavior, weren't you? Which is what so much you're And that's what you're brilliant at, is being able to land some of this stuff that mortals like me, you know, and, and you know, the guys that are join, joining us today... We don't get what you get because you really understand the art of it. And so the birthday book, which, as you said, you, you've got that coming out, which um, is fantastic, by the way. I love it. And I think it's a brilliant gift to yourself or to others. But it is so easy to understand. And that retail experience and that ability to land all of this stuff, do you think that's dumbing it down just to sort of, you know, 
be the retailer or do you think that's exactly what well presumably it's exactly what we need which is why you're doing it but people that do think astrology now the mystic world which you know according to one figure is worth 1.6 billion we've got there's a fine line isn't there between making it really accessible but without diluting its magic well yes and no um because uh, again as you say this is the marketer in me who needs knows i need to address what people understand initially and because we're in a period during which that's the term for it. Reflective ideas aren't emphasized. It's got to be science and it's got to be provable. Many people don't have that kind of language as part of their everyday life. So in writing the, the daily stars, the ones with, uh, that appear in the standard, but which are also published worldwide, they're published in uh, other countries as well, which means also I have to keep the English very simple because for many people reading it, English is a second language. It's not about anything fancy as much as taking, by the way, the 52 words <laughs> that are in the, the Daily Stars and getting a message to someone that goes to the center of their being, not to their mind, but to that stillness that some might call a soul that allows them to connect with their inner being. And then that then gives them the focus. So, the words are based on the cycles of nature, which is what astrology is. And that is an expression of whatever you want to call the divine. So it's a really long answer that loops around. So I don't think in doing something like the birthday book, which is written with the same variety of English, or the daily stars, which are only 52 words, very simple, is dumbing anything down as much as perhaps making it accessible. Mm. And then perhaps it's the amuse-bouche, isn't it, of then going for your uh, your chart, which is when, and I agree, you know, this idiot doctor, sorry, but idiot doctor, um, didn't even want to entertain a conversation about what you do and why you do it because he hasn't had a chart done. When you do have your proper chart done, which if you haven't had your chart done, guys, you really must look into it because it does give you, and, you know, yeah, maybe not governed by, but a bit more understanding of challenges, strengths, uh, gifts that you can work with. So I ask you, do you do your chart regularly? Does it change? I mean, obviously, because it's the time we were born and the place we were born, but does your chart have a sort of a cyclical, as you go through life, do, does, does the things adapt? Or is it, this is my chart forever, and I'm working with that forever? <laughs> well, there, there are two points. You're, okay, a chart is a map of the heavens for the moment you, you were born. And that is a mirror of you. And so one might say your soul chose to came in at a time that suits you. And it's a bit like, you know, if someone moves house and they move into a new neighborhood and it really suits them and they discover that the person next door is good friends with a good friend of theirs. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like your chart is a picture of the neighborhood you're living in, but as an individual. And so you've chosen that. And so, you know, I have chosen to be a five foot eight brown-haired American who now lives in England for actually most of my life, you have chosen not to be a five-foot-eight brown-haired. <laughs> you see, so that's our starting point. I need to get a refund on some of my choices. I'm just saying, but anyway, never mind. That's another subject. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So the chart doesn't change. It's a mirror of your energies. But what happens is you learn more about you and you learn the skill set. Now, in astrology, and this is what I kind of write about in the newspapers, it's about how the planets and the heavens relate to you now. But let me also just put in, because uh, on my website, people can order their, a printed version of their chart. Mm. And I think it's about, yeah, it's about 18 pounds. And it is your personal chart. If you have your birth date and time, mm-hmm. you will receive back a chart. And it's interpreted, it's printed out. And the program was written. I didn't write it myself. God knows I haven't got the skill set. Uh, the program was written by a former analyst who's also an astrologer, beautifully written. And it's about 25 pages. It's an interpretation of the individual birth chart, not not just the star sign, not just the week, the actual day, moment, hour, and place you were born. That's so a, a really That's good. a bargain, Shelley. Oh, it's great. That's it's great. Brilliant Christmas gift. Can you... You couldn't, could you buy that for someone and get it sent to them as a present? Or do you have to? Absolutely. No, no, I I mean, you could either give them gift certificates or if you can get their birth information, you can have it sent to them. And it's available through my website. And there's one for adults, but there's also, and this is the sweetest story, one for for children about the child. And a friend of mine who was a godfather to two children ordered those charts. And gave them to the mom, his friend, the 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 mother of the children for whom his godfather. And she she said she tucked them away and then she got them out when the kids were like five and six years old. And she read them and she wept. They were so accurate. Oh, brilliant. I'm gonna I know what I'm doing this evening. <laughs> Downloading yeah. loads of charts of people. You kind of almost want to layer them over with people in your lives to work out where the challenge this is the next thing. Please do this, Shelley. The kind of chart crossover where to what what things you should do together and what things you shouldn't that would be quite fun i was almost want to do you know what i mean get two charts and lay them on well, and see a, where the issues there is are a couple, there is a couple's chart available too oh, great brilliant yeah fantastic yeah, no, I mean, her, her work is wonderful and i mean god knows i mean i have a lot of skills but i would never have the patience to have done this the way she does it's so accurate and so well described and again, it's a great tool for somebody because it's written out so you can go back and revisit it. And many mm. people have said that this time they read that this oh, that's rubbish. And then they think about it and go, oh, actually, that might be true about me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it gives you some time to work with it. But I think at the core of this is the idea that it's a process. There's a tendency for people to think, oh, I have my chart done, or oh, I missed sign, that's how I am. I have my chart done, she said I was that way, that's how I am. Where, and you mentioned your experience of this, too, that we are all a work in progress. We are all getting up each day and shifting what we're, what we're using, the elements of our nature. And that's the exciting bit. And you can use all kinds of techniques. I mean, as we've been speaking, we've talked about all the things we can do, meditation in particular, but even just taking a walk every day mm-hmm. can change how you think and how you function. And that fits alongside the spiritual stuff. Yeah. So a chart is a tool, and it's a wonderful one. It's a mirror for you to look in, but it's only a mirror. 
And if you want to change something, then you get up off your duff and begin the process of changing it, perhaps inspired by that. And that's, I think, the difference between the old model. In the old model of astrology, I always say it's like buying in the sales. No exchanges, no returns. You know, mm-hmm. this is a destiny, babe. <laughs> but now, certainly, I don't think that way. And very few of my colleagues think that way. This is a jumping off point. Absolutely. And I think also something you do very differently to many out there is this prescription of, and okay, I'm guilty, hands up, you can't see me, but I'm putting my hands in the air. I have been guilty of saying, what should I do on what day? And you're kind of, hey, hon, I'm not telling you that. I'm not, you know, am I going to, you know, fall in love with my tennis coach? And you're kind of, eh, I'm not telling you that either. Um, because that's cheating, isn't it? And that's getting someone else to do your expletive. And that's what well, I think is different. It's you're urging people to look in the mirror and investigate themselves rather than, and I, because I do think what's a big problem with the well-being world for me and the mystical world is when people are on the phone every week to that guru, what shall I do next? Shall I divorce this person? Shall I do that job? And it's a bit, make your own mind up. And that, that's the bit that when people get dependent and won't do anything on that day because they're, you know, the astrologer said you shouldn't go out the door on the 12th of December. You know, do you, does that frustrate you or is it just me? Well, in fact, there are, there, there are media astrologers who take that, that kind of um, approach as well. And, you know, and it's, I mean, we can talk about, and I think you're sort of referring to the whole notion of Mercury being retrograde. And this is this is kind of a dividing line in the world because people who are astrology fans know exactly what I'm talking about. And people are going, the what? Going what? <laughs> uh, Mercury is the planet of communication. And each of the planets is associated with a certain activity. For instance, Venus, the beautiful goddess of love, is the planet of love, and where it is has to do with, indeed, what you own and, and what you enjoy and your relationships. Mercury, the god who delivers flowers, you know, the guy with the winged feet, is the planet of communication. It appears to move backwards in the heavens three times a year. During that period, it is said, notice how I say this, it is said that there is more confusion. There are those who say that when that's the case, you should, must never sign a contract. Or buy in digital. Fact, that's the thing that keeps coming out. Uh, don't buy digital. Don't buy a new phone. Don't do anything with technology. We kind of, well, we'll yeah. just close down our life for six weeks. I mean, yeah. You know. And it is, it's, um, it, and that goes back to what I was saying earlier about a passive approach and becoming a victim of cycles. Mm. Or looking at it and saying, well, i got to get on with my life. Now, I've traveled from Mercury's retrograde all the time. Maybe do I leave a little extra time? Mm-hmm. Maybe I make really sure the tags on my uh, luggage are clear? Mm-hmm. But sometimes, if there's a little quirk, gosh, it ends up being a wonderful adventure. So is that negative? Mm. Wonderful way of looking at it. I love that. And that, I think, is reassuring rather than dependent inducing and fear mongering because you know we've got to always move forward and i have to ask you this um do you have favorite signs do you say loads of my friends are this or all my lovers have been that or oh i just can't stand people that are this i have to ask i know that's a you know low (laughs) low brow for you question but do you favorite signs 
Yeah, I mean, it's not at all. I mean, it's a bit like people getting along with national nationalities. In fact, I often describe the signs as being sort of like nationalities, you know. And an Italian and a Swede are different from uh, someone from India or China. You know, they're unique. But within that, there are individuals. I mean, certainly um, there are signs who are incredibly good friends and good company who... I have had as partners, because I, I was married for a while, but I have, I did have a little time to experiment with various sorts of boyfriends before then. So I can really honestly say I have an educated experience of dating various signs. And um, there are ones where I thought, well, that was an experience I don't need to repeat. <laughs> um, <laughs> whereas with others, it's like, oh, gosh, could you just send me a barrel full of them? Um uh, but that's me. It's, so it's, you know, what I've discovered works for my character or not. And that's a little bit like learning from experience, you know, and finding that you have this kind of magical relationship with whether it's Italians or Swedes, you know, whether you long to go to New York for a dose of New York ease once a year. Uh, but what is useful is if you know about star signs a bit, you do actually kind of know about their viewpoint, and it's not right or wrong. You know about their viewpoint. So you know that, for instance, um, someone who is an Aries might jump to a conclusion. No. No, they don't. <laughs> and then when they do that, say, okay, now, hang on here. Wait a second. Let's, how did we get to that? And then you have that conversation. But I'm looking at April the 17th. I mean, goodness knows why I've chosen that out of the birthday book. Uh, my birthday just saying, um, loving, dynamic and strong. That's the gifts of an April 17th girl or boy. That's me. And yeah, challenges, hasty, irritable and passionate. Is that a challenge? You can be negatively passionate, I guess. Um, less about me, more about the big picture. We are, it is unquestionable we are going through an interesting, I'm not going to keep saying challenging because it's interesting, an interesting time and a reset. What do you think we can take from the general energy coming up in terms of Brexit, COVID, you know, equality? You know, pick, a, pick an issue that you, you really have a passion for at the moment that you think we can learn from some of the energy and move forward positively. Take your pick. COVID, Brexit? Well, can, can I flip it around? Mm. Um, because... I am very aware that we are beginning a new era. This stuff about the dawning of the age of Aquarius, I mean, it's been dawning forever, it would seem. But, you know, we all remember, you know, that song, which I won't attempt to sing. Um, there was talk about it, gosh, you know, in the 80s. It's a new era. These eras are 2,000 years long, so it's fair that it's taking a while to begin. And what it is, is moving from a period during which the, the pyramid dominated. That is, uh, there, there was always a hierarchy and always the man was on top, as it were. Um, and, uh, I mean, women took the name from men, you know. I mean, we lost our identity when we got married. I didn't. I kept my surname. Um, but as we move into this new era, the Aquarian age, which is beginning now. We're going from a pyramid of power to flattening the hierarchy, to everyone being responsible. Now, one of the very interesting things about 
and the worldwide influence of COVID is people have had to give up all kinds of personal rights to benefit the group. And that is part of the Aquarian age, except it may not be giving up rights. What it may be is people working together in order to do something to benefit calling a wild and crazy woman the planet. So you see, what this is about is it's easy to look on the lesson from, but I'm going at it from the idea of the changing behavior. And because people tend to be a teeny bit stubborn and a teeny bit habituated to the way they do things, it has taken a lot to stop us. In fact, to stop pretty much a whole planet. Now, what is happening as a result of that is there's evidence of healing the planet, healing the ocean, climate change being pulled backwards. And now that we're seeing that, we're also seeing, for instance, people taking fewer airplane flights because there really haven't been any. And now people are going, do I need to go on that holiday to an island I never heard of? Maybe not. Mm-hmm. So rather than calling it A lesson. I'm calling it a behavior change. Mm -hmm. And that's another reason we're having this conversation. Because while we were not taking that holiday in a place we'd never heard of before, but it had some, so it had to be a good thing. We're talking about stuff like this, not just you and me now, but a lot. I, I speak a lot, but I have been speaking, I mean, mostly on Zoom, constantly simply because of this change. And that's what the dawning of Aquarian Age is. In a phrase, it's, we're all in this together. Let's make it work. Well, and let's hope we can. And let's hope this being together. Do you think there are, um, just sort of, would you do a couple of practices or exercises, or you think things that people should maybe start to investigate after listening to this conversation. We've talked about meditation to help tune in with oneself and with what's going on with other people to be, have that. Well, I mean, I, you mentioned meditation. I, I agree. It is the key. And the trick is uh, finding a kind that suits the individual. And the difficulty in that is most people who studied meditations have studied with one kind. And they understand that that's the way it is because they were taught in some particular tradition. But that's like someone who studied Italian cooking and said, this is the only way you can cook. And you must like this because it's the one I do. Now, it sounds weird to use cooking and meditation, but it's a bit the same. Achieving the meditative state is something that can be done in so many ways. And as I said earlier, you can do it if you ride horses. You can do it if you play an instrument. You can do it if you're fishing or just simply walking. Yet, the trick is to do any of those with that intention will alter your state. Now, the next part of it is meditation also does calm the world. There was an experiment done by the Transcendental Meditation people. Remember, um, oh God, what was he called? The guru who the Beatles went to. Um, Yes. Okay. He started the system, and the system is quite strict. 
However, one of the great things about it is they do a lot of tests. And one test that they did was this. He sent some of his top meditators to Washington, D.C. Now, Washington, D.C. is, of course, the uh, capital of the USA. And it's a, it's a separate district from any of the states. And a quarter of it is where the White House is and all of that. But three quarters of it is actually quite an unsavory slum. And this is why it's so weird. I do not know why they haven't changed it. But it's, it's, it has quite a high crime rate. So Maharishi, the, the TM people, Transcendental Meditation people, sent a group of their high-level meditators there, which was the equivalent of the square root of one percentage of the population. I think it was 60 meditators. They sent them there, and they stayed for 30 days and left. Just went and meditated and left. The crime rates dropped. Mm -hmm. Police, they didn't tell the police. Mm -hmm. Police went, the crime rate dropped. What? So, amazing evidence of the influence of meditation, not just on us, but on the community and on the planet. So on that being on the same wavelength. And, they've, you know, they've repeated those studies quite a few times since. And they, the last big one like that was in Canada. And they did the extra layer of putting the meditators, you know, when the meditators left, they had seen that crime had gone down. They put them back, crime went down, they took them away, crime went up, they put them back, crime went down. You know, it repeated this evidence of when these people meditate in this area, crime goes down. When, when they're not meditating in this area, it goes back up. So anyone that doesn't think, you know, when you say, oh, yeah, I'm really on my wavelength, you know, we're tuning in like radio stations, aren't we? Yeah. Let's hope so we're a bit more smooth or magic, though, than <laughs> some, of the, so the some of the ones full of ads. This is, this is part, of, part of it, is that even the, the negativity that people have of moaning lowers their own vibratory rate, their own energy field. And then when people get into something that I call a moan fest, oh, I know, isn't it awful? Yes. And, oh, it was just so awful when I, and I, et cetera, et cetera. And then there is this kind of agreement of that, well, what happens that lowers their vibratory rate. And it doesn't help the planet either, but it doesn't make anybody happy. So the notion of, Altering your own vibratory rate by positive thinking. Yeah, eating well doesn't hurt either. Exercising is good, but just the power we have with our own consciousness. So that then takes me to what you asked a few minutes ago and to a tricky time on the planet is are you going to listen to scientists who say, well, you've ruined it already, really? No. I mean, there isn't much we can do. Are you going to say, that's the way it may look to you, Mr. Scientist. But to me, I know my consciousness is powerful. And I know that I have an ongoing choice about where I put that consciousness, how I think. And I know that in a conversation with another person, we can either choose to have a moan fest or we can enjoy what we enjoy in life. We can rejoice in being alive. And nobody else can control your mind but you. That's the greatest freedom in magic. I mean, I'm going to go with the feeling better stuff. I don't know about you. Oh, I want, I want like a, like the opposite of jailer. I want the kind of the freedom key ring hanging from my hip, and I want all <laughs> sorts of keys to positive consciousness that I can just take out at a given time and go. I'm going to get it tapped well, into that. That's open like know? a true Aries. Now, see, there you go. And that's why you were born as an Aries, 
with all of that zest for life and enthusiasm because that's what comes with the energy of being the first sign of the zodiac, the first sign of spring, the sign ruled by the energetic planet Mars. This is what you, you get. And when you use all of that, and it's a skill set you've learned, because I've known you a long time. We haven't seen each other for ages, but I've known you for ages and ages. And you've really learned how to use that. And that's the point. Each of us is on that journey. We didn't just show up to file our nails. We showed up to discover this. But the reason we're doing this now and the reason you're doing this and the reason I'm doing what I'm doing and even the reason I did the birthday book and the reason I'm doing a new website is all to give greater access to people to this way of thinking now because the pandemic will become history fairly soon. And when it isn't dominating our thinking, then it will be time for each of us in our own way, and that's what I emphasize, in our own way, to discover how to lift mm. our consciousness. Absolutely. And, there are a lot and, I, of and I, t- I totally agree. I totally agree. And I tell you something, this conversation has done just that. And I, I can also put my hands down and say, everyone listening to this will finish listening to this with a higher vibration. And you do it every time, Shelley Von Strunkel, even when you're giving me a taste of my own truth medicine you do it every time and I really am very grateful for that please keep up the good work please write more books um I urge you guys to go on to shellyvonstrunkel.com Shelly that is your website isn't it It I'm not going to spell your name they can google it um and uh get those charts down buy charts buy the book learn look in that astrological mirror and thank you so much Shelly for your time I really appreciate it and let's do this again soon when this is um you know the new, the net next cycle. Let you tell me when we need to do it, and we'll do it. <laughs> I will. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you, Shelley. Lots of love to you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did, and it's opened your mind. Another shout out and thanks to Anola. That's O N O L L A. Anola is the home of seasonally led, natural, organic, and sustainable living, beauty, and well-being. Thank you, Anola. And we have more podcasts like this one lined up with some super guests. So stay close. Well, and keep it natural.